0: Last week we considered how God had revealed himself through creation so that all mankind is without excuse for failing to honor, failing to be thankful, and failing to recognize their accountability before God. Our text also said that God's wrath is revealed from heaven, Romans 1.18 Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or hold down or suppress <coughs> <coughs> excuse me the truth by me <coughs> excuse me. By means of their unrighteousness. How is God's wrath revealed from heaven is what we want to address this morning. And the answer is that God manifests his wrath and giving fallen mankind over to their sinful desires and thoughts. God's anger is seen every time he turns people over to their sinful desires and lets them experience the fruit of their rebelliousness. The key phrase that is found repeatedly in this section is the phrase, God gave them up. If you look at Romans 124, therefore God gave them up. Romans 126, for this reason God gave them up. Romans 128, God gave them up to a debased mind. So this display of wrath is seen in God giving people up to their sinful desires. Now there are a lot of complex thoughts in this particular section. and It all fits together so this morning I'm gonna try to cover verses 24 through 32. But before we get into the complexity, I just want you to understand the simplicity of the basic thought. And that is that God's anger is displayed in giving people up so that they are allowed to go their own sinful way and experience the consequences. My mother was a very good cook and she made an incredible chocolate brownie. Now these chocolate brownies were not the skinny, chewy things that people make. These were the cake brownies. They were about three inches thick. They were filled with walnuts and they had about a quarter inch of fudge icing on the top of them. Okay, these are rich brownies. One afternoon, my mother baked a pan of these brownies. And they were sitting on the counter in the kitchen. I was probably somewhere around seven, eight, or nine years of age. And I could smell the aroma of these chocolate brownies as they were cooling. My mother was seated at the kitchen table and she was writing a letter, actually typing a letter. I'll tell you what that is sometime. But she was, she was, uh, she was typing a letter and I came in the kitchen, smelled these cookies, and I said, mom, uh, brownies, and I said, mom, can I have a brownie? No. Can I have just one brownie? No, you're going to spoil your appetite. You can't have a brownie. Can't I have just a, a small brownie? No, I said you can't have a brownie. Well, let me have just, just a tiny taste of a brownie. No, you can't have any brownie. It's going to spoil your appetite. Well, this went on for probably five minutes as I continued to whine about not getting a brownie. Finally, she said, I said No. You may not have a brownie. Not just one little piece of brownie. At that point, my mother's patience had come to an end. She looked at me and she said, Look, if you want to have a brownie, eat a brownie. If you want to have two brownies, eat two brownies. If you want to eat the whole pan of brownies, go ahead. I just looked at her and said, Really? And she said, Yes, really. Just get out of here so I can write my letter. Well, I took that pan of brownies. I went to my room before she could change her mind. And I sat there and I started eating the brownies. I ate one brownie. I ate two brownies. I ate three brownies. And I started to get full. But there was a whole plate here. And she said, I could eat the whole plate. So I had another brownie. I had another brownie. And now at this point, I don't really want to eat brownies anymore. I am stuffed. But now I was eating brownies, not because I wanted the brownie, but because I could eat the whole pan. And now I was forcing myself to eat these brownies. Well, I got through probably a little more than a half a pan of brownies. Man, did I feel sick. I was stuffed. And as I sat on my bed, all of a sudden, you know, the, the stomach's roaring and stuff. Well, it isn't long before I was in the bathroom vomiting and throwing up all these precious brownies that I had just eaten. Okay? I was bearing the consequences of my mother's anger by saying, go ahead and eat the brownies. But we find out that this world is experiencing the consequences of the people that are saying, I don't want to listen to God. I don't want to follow God's direction. And God in his wrath, God in his anger, says, go ahead. Go ahead. you want to live this sinful lifestyle, go for it. And experience the consequences of doing so. That is the essence of our passage this morning. But we want to delve into some of the subplots that exist in this particular portion of God's Word. So turn with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. God's anger is revealed by God giving fallen mankind up to their sinful desires with all of its consequences. Now jump down to verse 24, which is where we're going to start going verse by verse. Therefore, God gave them up, or God gave them over to, the loss of their hearts to impurity. God gave them up to immoral sexual impulses. Their lusts resulted in their immorality, their desires Resulted in all kinds of sexual activity that was unacceptable before God. The reason that God gave fall mankind up to their sinful desires is because they opposed the truth of God. They they rejected God's truth. Verse twenty-five. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They had suppressed. God's truth they they resisted it even as I resisted my mother when she kept saying no <coughs> they resisted God's truth and the reason they resisted God's truth is because they were more interested in fulfilling their own desires rather than God's desires verse 25 and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator Rather than submitting to God's will, they wanted to do their own will. They wanted to live by their own standards. They wanted to display their own authority. They wanted to go their own way. And so God gives them up. And the extent that God gave them up to their own sexual desires is seen in their homosexual behavior. If you look at verse 24, Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, that's referring to all kinds of impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women for their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up their natural relations with women and were consumed with passion one for another. Such desires and acts are known to be immoral because they are contrary to the created order. That is, one can conduce that homosexual acts go contrary to God's design and creation. Remember, this whole section is about what mankind can learn about God by looking at creation. Last week we saw that we can see that God exists. We can see his invisible attributes, his eternal power in Godhead, so that we're without excuse. Now uh, we're looking at the immoral behavior. And not only can we see the existence of God, we can see immorality as we look at creation. The creation order is being referred to in the words contrary to nature in verse 26. It says, women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to, na- to nature. Meaning, <clears throat> in case you didn't know, I have a cold. So as this passage talks about natural relations, it's talking about the relations through a created order. The uh, ESV, in their notes, says this. Contrary to nature, in that it does not respect what God intended when he made men and women with physical bodies that have a natural way of interacting with each other and natural desires for each other. God created man and woman with the intent that they would multiply, okay? We can see that from creation. This activity goes contrary to that ability to multiply. Therefore, such behavior God justly disproves of, Romans 1.27. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion one for another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving themselves the due penalty for their error. Consequence was in keeping with the action. <clears throat> Let me just pray. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray for grace. I just pray that you would uh, assist me this morning, that this isn't just totally. Uh, distracting from your word, I pray that you would uh, help me get through this uh, sermon, that you would uh, grant aid, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so the consequence was in keeping with the, with the action. There are some important words that, that I want you to take note of in the, in the text. If you are a person that, thank you very much, is this a cough drop? Yeah, they have honey inside of them. So. It's a cough drop with honey. Okay, thank you. All right, bless you. Okay, if you are a person who draws or writes in your Bible, I'd like you to note some connections, and you, you may want to circle these, uh, for notice in verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions for the women exchanged. So if you circle the word exchanged, and then go back to verse 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. So draw exchange to exchanged. Then, in verse 25. Circle truth about God. They exchanged the truth about God for... Now, down to verse 26. God gave them up to dishonored passions. For the women exchanged natural relations. And draw a line between truth about God and natural relations. Then, circle in verse 25, for a lie... And come down to verse 26, and you see the words contrary to nature. And draw a line. The point is that mankind exchanged God's truth for a lie. This is saying God's truth can be seen in creation. And they exchanged God's truth that can be seen in creation for that which goes against creation. That's the lie. Okay? So it's talking about receiving a due penalty. It's talking about justice. It's talking about an equality here. Alright? So that they gave up the truth, and that's what God is angered at. They have suppressed the truth. They have denied the truth. The truth of creation. And God brings about a consequence for this rejection of the truth. It comes at the end of verse twenty seven receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. The due penalty is the, the just penalty. The just penalty. And they have received an error. So we wanna talk about uh, what is that error? What is that penalty? What has come upon fallen mankind? And the answer is clear in the text. The penalty for this exchange the truth of God for a lie is they are going to be dishonored." Look at verse 24. "Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to this end, to the dishonouring of their own bodies. So it was to bring shame. Concerning their behavior. Look at verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, that which is shameful, that which is degrading. Verse 27. Men likewise gave up natural relations with women, were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts. NIV translates that shameful acts. And the reason being is these are shameful acts, but they no longer were shamed by them. They should have been ashamed, but they weren't ashamed. The point of the, of the passage is this was to bring dishonor. This was to bring shame. This was to bring reproach. It was so that people would naturally understand that this is behavior that is unacceptable. The dishonor is just or appropriate for the consequence. Why? Well, because, go back to verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. So, you see the parallels. They failed to honor God, so God brings dishonor upon them to see the consequence. Because they have failed to uphold God, God demeans them and God dishonors them so that people should know better. Thus, because fallen mankind did not want to follow the truths that they learned about God from creation, he allowed them to eat all the brownies they wanted to, to follow their desires wherever that would take them. And in so doing, they brought shame upon themselves. Now, lest we go too far, we need to uh, be uh, sensitive here to what's being said and what's not being said. We are not seeking to classify homosexuality as being in some unique category of sin. All sexual morality is condemned if you look at verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up over in sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity. It's talking about all kinds of sexual impurity. Homosexuality is just one example. Uh, If you look at verse 29, it says they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. And then the next word is evil. Evil. Uh, If you look at uh, the King James, the word for evil is the word uh, fornication. Uh, it's, the Greek word is pornenia, from which we get the, the, the word pornography. It's talking about all kinds of, of sexual immorality. So we're not, we're, we're talking about heterosexual behavior as well. All right? So it's talking about all kinds of sexual impurity. It's just using homosexuality as an example. But it is not to be understood as distinct from all kinds of sexual immorality. And also, the idea that, That this is contrary to nature. It's contrary to creation. That too is not limited to homosexuality. If you look at Romans 131. Romans 131. It says foolish. Faithless. And then this word heartless. In the ESV. The King James translates that. Without natural affection. I much prefer that translation. Even though it doesn't say a great deal. That's. Really, what it says without natural affection. It goes contrary to nature. For example, you would expect a mother to care for their child. You would expect that a mother would provide for their offspring. You'd expect that a mother would feed its young. You wouldn't expect a mother to do harm to their child. You certainly wouldn't expect a mother to kill their child. That goes against creation. That goes against the created order. That just goes against the plain, clear understanding of what is the duty and role of a mother. So we're talking about things that by creation you just have an awareness that this isn't right. It's not the way that we are to conduct ourselves. And there are a whole host of things. So these are examples. They are not a full airing of Everything it is, all right? So you need to keep that in mind. Number two, God's anger is seen in giving mankind over to an irrational way of thinking, wherein behavior that should be praised is rendered shameful. And what should be shameful is approved. Let me say that again. God's anger is giving mankind over to an irrational way of thinking wherein behavior that should be praised is rendered shameful and behavior that is shameful is praised. That mankind has put morality on its head. So let's unpack that. First, a debased mind is a thought process that fails causes a person to be disqualified, reaching the wrong conclusions. Verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. One that reaches the wrong conclusions. In this instance, it is a thought process that results in a person doing the very thing that they should not do, to act in a manner directly opposite of the way that they should act. For notice the end of Verse 28 gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So people are doing what they shouldn't do and failing to do what they should do. This faulty thought process affects all aspects of life and decision making, resulting in a full gamut of unacceptable deeds. Verse 29, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Remember, going back to Romans 1.18, God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. The ungodliness is living as though there is no God. Unrighteousness is all kinds of acts of of immorality, all kinds of, of actions that go contrary to the will of God. So... They are filled with all manner of unrighteousness. Every category of unrighteousness you can think of. And then it lists examples for us. Evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips. slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, every kind of unrighteousness imaginable. Though they originally knew better, they do them anyway, like knowing I shouldn't eat the brownies, but I choose to do so anyway. Verse 32, though they knew God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. That first phrase I'm going to look at in detail next week. Uh, So I'm just going to deal with the second part. At this point, this morning, verse 32, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Not only do they do what should not be done, They give support and encouragement to others that do what should not be done. Again, we're to see the extent to which people have gone, the extent of which God's wrath can be seen. That mankind not only rejects God's authority and he lets them go and do their own thing, not only that, but he so lets them go that even in their thought process, he gives them over to their sinful thoughts so that they call evil good and they call good evil and approve of people that do things that should not be done. Verse 32. They give approval to those who practice them. I'll read the whole verse. Though they know God's righteous decree... That those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. The uh, NAS translates that give hearty approval. Hearty approval. The point is that God's intent of giving mankind over is to bring dishonor to themselves, to bring shame. To bring guilt. But mankind, in their irrational thinking, no longer views that which is worthy of shame as being shameful, worthy of guilt as being guilty, worthy of being dishonored as dishonorable. They look at these things and now say there's nothing wrong with it. And not only do they say there's nothing wrong, but they go on to say it's good. It should be supported. It should be encouraged. It should be entered into. They try to remove the stigma, the shame, the dishonor that God intends to come as a result of such behavior. So in conclusion, we learn these things. First, God's anger is revealed by the lows that he has allowed sinful mankind to descend to you can see that God has just taken his hand off by looking at how far we have digressed, how low we have become, how many of the brownies we've eaten. God's anger is revealed in the degradation, the shame and the guilt that come upon individuals as a result of sinful behavior. But they suppress and hold down that truth. So, God's anger is revealed against the conscious effort that is put forth to remove the stigma and self guilt that is associated with a host of sinful behaviors. So, mankind responds by saying to each other, Don't feel guilty about that. That's okay. There's nothing dishonorable in what you're doing, there's nothing inappropriate with what you are doing. Go ahead. Enjoy and experience whatever the sinful behavior and practice is that you are doing. Not only are they not condemning it, but they're encouraging it. So that today, and this is not just today, I say today, but you know, this is written 2,000 years ago, which really shows how relevant the Bible is. And we can think today is awful. But uh, talk with Chris Murrett sometime about the decadence of the Roman Empire and the kind of behaviors that were manifested. The point is not the time in which you live, the point is the relationship of the people to God. The problem with our culture today is we're living in a post Christian era. We are moving farther and farther away from God. And the farther you move away from God, there's a consequence. behaviors that are unacceptable, and they should be seen as unacceptable. We should know that they are unacceptable. And one of the ways that we know it inwardly is the shame, the reproach, the guilt that comes upon us. And so we do everything that we can, the fallen world, to remove that stigma, to remove that reproach, to say it's okay, I'm here for you. I want to support you. I want to defend you. I will stand with you. And I will stand against anybody who says what you're doing is wrong. Who are they to judge? And it's easy to jump to homosexuality. But that's really not all that this passage is about. This passage is about sin in general. Of which that is one illustration. And the point is that all sin is shameful and fallen mankind seeks to remove the stigma. So that sin doesn't seem sinful. Because there's no shame. There's no stigma. There's no reproach. There's no guilt associated with it. And again, that covers a whole host of areas. So that today, living together is becoming a norm. Where at one time, that was viewed as shameful. At one time, people would have been embarrassed. They would have signed into a hotel as Mr. and Mrs. rather than to admit that that they weren't married. It was a shame, a disgrace, a reproach. It's gone. Most Christians don't even look with that as kind of reproach. And again, flips on the head, and you're narrow-minded, you're bigoted. If you're going to say that, if you're going to find fault with that, how could you? Flips on the head. What is bad becomes good. What is good becomes bad. Standing up for these things now is becoming intolerant, unacceptable. Can't go there says our society, for we want to remove that stigma. We want to remove that reproach. We want to remove that guilt. We want to celebrate our differences and accept the people as they are and their behaviors, whatever those behaviors may be. There's no shame in lying. Our politicians lie through their teeth. Who thinks twice about it? Who gives any sense of reproach? You see, it's not about any particular sin. It's about sin in general. Lies. And you can go through any particular sin that you want and we live in a day and age that is seeking to remove the reproach, the stigma, from those behaviors. Everybody does it. So, it can't be all that bad. Well, the result is that the lows just get lower. That the misery just compounds. That the sadness increases. In The book of Timothy, it says, in the last days, perilous times are going to come because people will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Those things bring danger. Those things bring misery so that people are shooting themselves over mattresses. People are shooting people because they're disgruntled about what someone said to them in the workplace. We live in a dangerous world. Because people have said, I'm going to eat all the brownies I can. And now, tired of eating the brownies, they're just saying, man, I'm going for it. Because I can do it. And I'm going to enter it into things that are even not pleasurable. Just because I can. The scripture says... Even without the Word of God, you ought to know that's wrong. Without ever sitting in a single Sunday school class, you should realize that that's not right. Your own conscience should convict you, and that's where we're headed next week, of what the conscience is capable of and incapable of. But this whole passage is, you're without excuse. You're without excuse. Without excuse. You can just look at creation and know it's not right. That's not what God intended. That's not what God wanted for us. You can see the misery, the heartache that we're experiencing because people are moving farther and farther away from God. How we can't Go away without locking our doors anymore. a lot of us can remember times you didn't think twice about not locking your doors. when the worst thing that happened in school is that people cho- chose gum, uh, chewed gum and now you've got to be worried about children being slain, shot on a schoolyard we 've fallen and we've fallen hard. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, from beginning to end, that through faith in Christ, righteousness comes. Through faith in Christ, we will be changed. Through faith in Christ, our passions can become under control and our thought process moves from calling bad, good, bad, bad and good, good. That is a result of the gospel. That is the result of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of an individual. The only answer to the societal needs of our day are the gospel. So let's take... The gospel to a fallen world that's without excuse. Let's pray. Almighty God, we talk about they and them, but it's us and we until we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Uh, And uh, even knowing Christ as our Savior, we struggle with our passions, we struggle with our desires. So often they are sinful. But thank you, O oh God, for the way in which you restrain us. Uh, thank you, O oh God, that uh, you discipline those whom you love. Thank you, O oh Lord, that there are so many th- times that you intervene in our life in keeping us from many of the consequences that so easily could beset us. That your mercy and grace. But Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to stand up and to say that creation reveals truth about you. Creation reveals your existence. It reveals godliness. It also reveals truths about unrighteousness, that there are behaviors that are just unacceptable. Lord, help us to realize that you have given us our consciences, not to our harm but to our good, and that guilt and shame is to bring us to a place to experience your forgiveness and restoration. And how you can bring honor to that which is dishonorable. You can bring glory to that which before had brought you shame. Lord, the gospel is such a wonderful blessing. It is such a gift that you've given to us as a fallen mankind. Lord, help us to share that gospel with others. Knowing that it's the only solution, it's the only way out, it's the only hope. And, O Lord, help us not to just piggyback on any one sin. For, Lord, all sin is dishonorable to you. All sin is a reproach to you. All sin bars us from entrance into your presence. So the things we've been talking about this morning are only illustrative of a far-reaching need And the simple truth that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, help us to gladly, boldly, without shame, proclaim that message. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Lord, help us to be ashamed of our sin, but not ashamed of you. Help us to do what is right. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.